this episode specifically was in part a an excuse for me to interrogate the love lives of my Zoomer friends. I am on the older side of Zoomer of the Zoomers, and yeah, like I yours. basically asked. I asked around. I asked all three of the alt right cat boys that I know in real life. <laughs> yeah, and basically tried to get uh, a kind of gestalt, like we were talking about, uh, a kind of summary of their love lives. People were very happy to offer, you know, these kind of predilections being into, especially a certain type of anime girls. I feel like there is, if you talk about a real life person who you're attracted to, I think there's this soft idea of civil rights law coming coming after you if or people you know who feel who are like similar in appearance feeling uncomfortable with that and that's something that zoomers kind of want to avoid but that's the same is not true for for anime girls so so it's almost considerable this is like this is like this kind of like weird post sexuality thing would you like to know more well, hello. We are super excited to have a VIP guest with us today, Brian Chow. He is first and foremost in our minds, of course, and, and from for the past quite a while, uh, the host of the amazing podcast from the new world. Really good long listen if you are looking for something good to listen to, to learn from, amazing interviews. Uh, but more recently, uh, Brian has become a senior machine learning policy fellow at the Alliance for the Future, something that we shall talk about in another episode with him. But today, mm, I think we're going to get into something really interesting. Brian, do you want to kick us off here? Right. So I was I was listening to another great podcast, Basecamp, with Simone <laughs> Collins and Mal- Simone and Malcolm Collins. Yeah. So, so so I listened to an episode that you guys done you guys did on your own about it was one of the ones about Zoomer sexuality, and I thought I have so many takes on this, and I'm not populating my Substack with my Zoomer sexuality takes. Maybe maybe <laughs> like the paid feed, but you know there are so many other things that I'm working on right now that I just want to be more I just want the Substack to be more laser focused on the podcast yeah. to be more laser more serious on. yeah you're you're high culture we're low culture <laughs> okay yeah yeah we, we will be talking about that eventually uh, and yeah I thought this was a great venue to talk about it I think that we have you know some similarities some disagreements probably but I do think that there's just not enough there's just not enough like horizontal exploration of this idea Right. This I, this idea of kind of changing, changing the axis, changing how people interpret sexuality, the kind of like default narrative. This is the theme of uh, my podcast often. So there's this kind of default narrative. And this is like orthogonal to like the actual thing that's happening. I think I think the, the episode of course that really, really struck through to me was the one about I think like submissive and dominance. Uh, but also, you know, also... This wasn't, this was actually after, this was released after I reached out to you guys, but also um, the one on alt-right cat girls. That is a very, very important topic of our generation. No, it's such a thing is that the the concept of the alt-right cat girl I keep seeing and the, as the right has, because it used to be like the, the left was sex positive and the right was sex negative to some extent. And now the the left has totally seeded any, any, manifestation that is sex sex positive for men you know if i'm if i want my overwatch to have you know sexy tracer butt that is a right-wing idea which is really interesting 
Right, it's the ball. It's the barstool conservatives, right? It's the, yeah, yeah. The, the the party of the the party of horny men, and also the people who hate horny men the most. Yeah, I think that's a good description of the Republican Party. Although you know, although some of the some of the 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 right the right wing elite, you know, are coming around to it. Have you guys talked about like, Bronze Age pervert on the show? No, like, the character to mention. You to go deeper. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So, so Bronze Age, Age pervert is this very hard to describe in one sentence. His his philosophy is Nietzsche and bodybuilding. That I... <laughs> Done. Easy. Yeah. You yeah, yeah. describe him as like a, a poet. He's much more interested in conveying poetry and an aesthetic than specific ideas in a way that is really interesting and a new art form that works within the online medium. Yeah, it's very practiced uh, affectation. Yes, yeah. but I fear that sometimes people confuse what he's saying with a systematically and internally consistent world perspective, which it's not. It's an aesthetically consistent moral perspective, but not really a logically consistent moral perspective. Right, right. I mean, this is something that I try to do as well. There's, you know, there's, if you look at the history of it, there's, you know, political theory, you know, there's like Hobbes long treatises on, you know, how to run a state and the role of the citizen within the state. And, you know, that's one thing. I, I think that, you know, other than autistic theory nerds, very few people are going to read anything like that. Maybe for your political science class, you know, maybe, maybe there are like kids who are sitting through their political science class who are listening to this. And then other than, and then there, there's, on the other hand, these kind of like fully affective manifestos. And usually I, the way that I see it bridged is I see people giving like Straussian interpretations of basically artworks or of culture, of different approaches to these things, and using that as a way to create something that is, that is normative, that is creating some sort of logical order but without necessarily committing to, you know, the kind of legalism of someone like Hobbes. Hmm. I, I think that's the goal of the Bronze Age mindset. It, it's a lot more obvious if you look at, for example, I think Christopher Rufo is a good example of this. Yeah. Of someone who is, like, he's, like Christopher Rufo supports specific policies, right? I, I'm not sure if he has, like, a consistent political theory, you know, like a theory of how, how, how the world works, how the political system should work in the same hmm. way that, you know, like classical liberalism or, you know, like Burkean conservatism is a political theory. It's very different from that. But he does have both an aesthetic and, you know, at least like a direction or a combination of things that he's trying to accomplish. Yeah. Well, I'd love to hear what's your thesis on how gender and sexuality are changing personally. Right. So so, so there's just like a huge dominance shortage, right? You, you just see this. Okay, you, yeah. you see this every. I, actually, I'm not sure like how everywhere you see this, right? But this was in part like this episode specifically was in part a an excuse for me to interrogate the love lives of my zoomer friends i am on the older side of zoomer of the zoomers i have many you know many friends some of them i assure you are good people uh, and yeah like i basically it. asked i asked around i talked about you know, what issues we were going to discuss. I asked all three of the alt-right cat boys that I know in real life. <laughs> yeah, and basically tried to get uh, a kind of gestalt, like we were talking about, uh, a kind of summary of their love lives. And 
you know my my old advice my old advice to my fellow zoomers was just you know it's actually very similar to something that you talked about in 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 your book that you know 10xing the number of people you interact with does accomplishes the same thing as making yourself 10x more attractive right <laughs> like the, the chance of finding someone the, the chance of finding someone good is is the same if you if you do both of those things right if you're if you're specifically looking for one person who is you know compatible with you yeah. so before you say no i, w- I want to make way two predictions so that you can correct me where i'm wrong or it was where i think gen z is and i want you to like from awesome, your interviews awesome. so this is where you're totally off so one is or maybe there's more than two things. Basically, they're not having sex or they're moving more in a direction of asexuality or post-sexuality. That there's, there is more conservatism, but not in ways that you would expect. It's not, oh, we should go back to the old ways or the traditional ways or religious ways, but more like men and women are quite different. Maybe we should bring back monogamy. You know, like things are really bad right now. But then also like extreme levels of relationship nihilism like none of it matters i'm going to be alone forever like the same the same thing that millennials experienced with wealth like i'm never going to be able to afford a house or i'm never going to not have student debt gen z is going through with with sex and and relationship and marriage well i'm never going to get married i'm never going to have a spouse i'm never going to have kids so where where am i wrong here yeah the, the relationship doomerism is definitely a real thing uh, that that is almost one hundred percent right. There are people I know who have a kind of conservative disposition, who are basically like, "Well, I'm not going to find a trad wife anyway, so might as well, you know, do hookups or whatever." Hmm. Uh, th- th- that is a real thing. I-, I do think it is a real and very common thing. I should say for the audience, you know, that this doesn't matter a lot. It is mostly, you know, like college educated people, probably like more more Asian, but not like that Asian. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, like, you know, what you would expect on like an MIT-ish campus, right? Mm-hmm. Or not, you know, not MIT specifically. So continue. I, I want to hear specifically. So you interviewed three people. What did they say? Oh, I interviewed what? a lot more than three people. I interviewed oh, okay, a lot continue. more than three people. Yeah. So the number one thing when it comes to the the, the other topic, right, which is this kind of, I, I don't think it's a conservatism. It's a kind of porn addiction. I don't know. It's, mm. I, I think, Simone, when you were on my podcast, you talked about the best alternative to to no agreement or something like that. Yeah, the, sure BATNA for people in relationships. So the best alternative to a negotiated offer, essentially, like what are you going to yeah. do if you don't get a deal? That's the, that's what it seems like. A lot of people are just, you know, it's a very happy equilibrium for them to just be like jerking off to porn. Th- that's mm. their, you know, that's their main way to consume sexuality. And they really, there are a lot of people who, you know, just know like all kinds of crazy things, know all kind of, you know, tricks in order to pleasure themselves who really have no relationship experience whatsoever maybe they've done hookups or something like that but this is a very this is a very common thing that happens where i think they'll log on to an internet forum they have they're like people with no social skills and i I do mean like none (laughs) this is not an exaggeration and they'll log on to like these internet forums 
and just talk to just talk to like strangers online that's their default right like, you know you 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 go on stack overflow to solve your computer science problems you I thought you said on, to like, solve your relationship problems i'm like to, to this solve. is something yeah yeah so, so yeah. people are going people are going on reddit forums and and like twitter x.com you know x <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're they're going on the appropriately named x.com to ask for their uh, relationship advice and mostly getting, you know, substitutes for relationship advice. That I think is the trend. Yeah, well, okay, so here's a question I have. Um, So in my generation, and, and I'm wondering if this is part, because we talk about how people are changing biologically, but, and, and we talk about failed relationship markets, but I think one thing that's that's not talked about a, a, enough is that in my generation, our primary social networks were our in-person friend networks. Yeah, and yeah, therefore, exactly. the primary thing that motivated me to sleep around a lot, like I slept around a lot, like in person when I was younger, it was not actually getting to sleep with people. It was the way my peer network saw me because I was sleeping with lots of people. And I wonder if the breakdown of in-person social networks has removed a lot of the motivation for real sexual encounters versus just masturbation. Mm. Yeah, I, I think so. It, it's like an, an a an asocial thing. Definitely, I think you know it, less than less than de- the decline in like actual sex. I think is like the decline in talking about sex. It's just like, you know like Xers and Boomers would talk to me about how there, there's a kind of like implicit status hierarchy especially among men, maybe it's not, not, I don't think it's the same with women of, you know, there, there, there's pressure to lose your virginity. There, there's pressure to, to, to sleep around. And I have never experienced that. I think most of the people I talk to, there, there, there's no pressure, especially if, I think actually there, this is a thing that I feel like is very wrong and maybe very dependent on selection bias but I feel like there's almost more of a pressure for women than men among Zoomers. To have uh, sex. At, at least among the ones that I, I talked to. Yeah. yeah could please elaborate on that. Yeah. So, I mean, I think with most men, it's just neutral. There, there, there is a kind of, you know, basically completely, you know, biological desire. People have innate desires. That's not, I don't think that's changed. But as a kind of social force, I don't think it's, it exists or if anything there are it is almost discouraged to talk about it among men whereas among women i think there is is much more high variance i would say there are definitely you know families that are much more conservative about this especially immigrants but i think like among white women it is among the few that i talked to and i i want to say you know this is not that large of a sample size so i i'm like I'm 95% sure it's like sample size or like selection bias problems. Both of them said, but both white women who I talked to, like Zoomer white women, said that they felt encouraged to to do such a thing. Not like strongly, you know, like you you must, you know, you're you're the most alpha if you sleep with a lot of people. But but you know that this is uh, a good and healthy thing to do in your life. Yeah, well, I think probably a better way to think of it with women is this is how you're not cast out of the group. Hmm. This is how you're normal. Or is yeah, that wrong? I would say so. I, I would say so, yeah. That, that so is one way to think about it. How do they think about deviant sexuality? The, the people you talk to, especially the right-wing Zoomers, I find very interesting how they think about deviant or weird sexuality. 
the right wing zoomers. I, I would say that more in general, there, there's like a blurring of the line. It's not very, they're almost like not aware that it's deviant sexuality. Or, or what specifically do you mean here? Do you mean homosexuality? You, or, no, no, no. Like, so cat girlism, mean, like, I find, is the... I mean, that's the, the totem that we were raising in that podcast was this idea that catgirlism is a quote-unquote deviant sexuality, but it, every guy thinks anime catgirls are cute, you know? And so it's <laughs> yeah. not actually a deviant sexuality, and that's why it's become this totem for the portion of the right that's trying to reclaim male sexuality. But I wonder how other people, you know, whether it's femboyism or anything else, how they're interacting. Is there anything where they're like, this is bad sexuality and this is good sexuality? Or is it just like all good sexuality? Or is it just like sexuality is this like black muck that's ruining everything? Yeah, yeah there is no understanding that an attraction to cat girls is unhealthy in any way. This is something that is accepted as normal and ordinary it's 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 not you know every every person every guy i talk to is into cat girls but this is just you know this is not seen as some kind of weird thing now and i think the same thing is true for a lot of similar kind of you know soft fetishes quote unquote yeah. right both among men and women i think you know people still people you know still consider it like a different thing you know, I, I think like Zoomer, even like Zoomer conservatives are fine with someone being gay or lesbian, but they still notice it as like a different thing. You know, like it, it wouldn't be like, oh, oh, that's like very unremarkable. And now that I know that my friend is like gay or lesbian. No, but but like pe people will will have that. Right. It, and I think this is also reflected in how, you know, easily they would mention these things to me. You know, they're also this is a kind of selection bias as well of like people, you know, maybe not mentioning to me like more extreme things. But people were very happy to offer, you know, these kind of predilections being into, especially a certain type of anime girls. I feel like there is, if you talk about a real life person who you're attracted to, I think there's this soft idea of civil rights law coming coming after you if or people you know who feel, who are like similar in appearance, feeling uncomfortable with that. And that's something that Zoomers kind of want to avoid but that's the same is not true for for anime girls so so it's almost considered no. this is like this is like this kind of like weird post sexuality thing that you're talking about i i agree that's like the right way to frame it that's really interesting so or, or, or let me give me like one more like highly quotable sentence it's you know we, it is the separation of attraction and physicality that's what i think it is hey, elaborate mm. on that st statement a bit sorry so, okay, so, so I'll tell one very funny case study of, so, so you probably have heard this, you know, this is more of a thing among progressive circles, but people will talk about, you know, sexuality versus romantic attraction, right? And I'm not sure, like, how serious of a thing this is. For example, some people will, will say they're, like, asexual, but biromantic. Right. Um, and will your audience know what that means i don't know this is the thing that left-wingers will all know what it means because it's pretty common among them uh, it's basically someone who has no sexual attraction does not want to have sex with people in general but wants to date and be softly affectionate with both men and women mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and this i think is the clearest example uh there's also there's also someone who i talked to who is basically gay in terms of you know, sex acts, but it's like romantically attracted to women. Huh. Uh, and, and I do think this is, 
I, I do think this is increasingly common. I don't think it's like extremely common. It's mostly still men who are, you know, attracted to women, both romantically and sexually and vice versa. I don't think it's like extremely common, but it's, it is definitely becoming more of a thing. Yeah. So, so to this end, I, I feel like I have a lot of Zoomer friend who I've talked to about this sort of thing. And of the right wing ones, I, I have seen basically zero homophobia. I have seen no uncomfortable with gayness at all in the right wing Zoomer audience. Is that something you've noticed as well? Or have you seen any real? Among IRL people? Yeah. Among online posters? No, no. <laughs> direction. Um, that's just, I don't know, tradition. That's just online posters. Yes. <laughs> but even then, I think it's, you know, the, the kind of the kind of archetype of the Southern dad who believes so strongly in his faith and that, you know, homosexuality is evil, that he would separate off his son, his, his gay son or lesbian daughter from, from the family. I don't think it's that kind of homophobia. It's kind of like, it's like the, like the, 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 the like race shit posting stuff where, you know, they'll be very happy to say, you know, look, look at these separate crime rates. You know, or or even to go further to that, right? To, to to say like prescriptive things about race and like what what policies they would want, or like encouraging you know segregation practice. But in terms of if that person had a black friend or a gay friend, I think it would be not too different than you know the rest of Zoomers. They would basically be fine with it. And, and you do see this with the the exception, the accepting of people like Dave Rubin or of who is a very famous trans conservative person. Oh gosh. Uh, well, I, I, I'd uh, say Caitlyn uh, Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner. Well, yeah. she, she's oh. not conservative, but there, there was, you know, there, there, there was airing a, a, of her as the person who would finally defeat Gavin Newsom, oh. uh, governor of California. Yeah, really? yeah. I missed yeah. that. <laughs> well, I, um... it, it was not that serious. I don't think she had a chance. But you know, this the the even mere acceptance of it is, you know, it's it's a sign that like that kind of psychological disposition at least is gone well this- so i get the impression that we're, it is very much a post-sex world where it doesn't matter anymore it, it, it's like highly virtual like you alluded to it being somewhat divorced from physicality you know a lot of it more has to do with just the experience you're having online which suggests that when we actually can get much more realistic ai boyfriends and girlfriends that like people are going to go for that because it's probably better than what you're going to get from a human that you have to accommodate in annoying ways. Yeah. Yeah. But, like the, the most beautiful flowers are the most fake. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. It, it is very much. Yeah. This is, I don't know. You, you can also almost see this in existing behavior, right? If you think of what's, what's stopping an AI from being like an only fans operator, right? pretty much nothing pretty much just the quality of like how well it can craft text messages and artificially generated porn totally. right that is the limiting factor you know basically there's no qualitative factor stopping ai from becoming an only fans model right now it is only I guess the, like the question is ability. in the past it was just will we get a generation of people that's okay with that. Because if you were, I think, to take the majority of the, the millennial generation, Gen X, anyone before, they'd be like, well, it has to be a human. If it's a human, that's how I know it's good. But I think that we finally gotten to a generational point where there isn't an assumption that human is better and that there's a like a pretty big unmooring from IRL socialization and like IRL relationships. And since we interact with even our closest carbon-based friends like digitally mostly there's just less of this feeling like you need to prioritize 
carbon relationships. It is, it is not only the separation, but the inversion of online and real, real life. Mm. I am, this, is, this is one of the trends that I'm most confident on, actually, mm. in terms of... So, so this is the operational question of, like, would you prefer to have either a romantic or sexual relationship with someone you already know or, or like a stranger online? And I think it's been going in the direction in terms of sexual relationships. It's been going in the direction of prefer online for some time. Hmm. But the thing that was very surprising to me was the same is true for romantic relationships, where what I think it is, is I think that the kind of female type social interaction of having friends for the purpose of being accepted into the group, that that is the norm, which itself is, I, I don't know if you would disagree, or but I think which itself is a kind of masturbatory version of having real friends. Where, you know, you, you have, you know, you, you have the, the aesthetics of friendship, you know, you, you go, you hang out, even, even like re real life interactions are like this, but membership in the friend group is not actually based on any kind of loyalty or any kind of personal trait, but rather mm. a kind of, you know, a kind of conformity where that is also leaning towards the male type of friendship now where that ends up or i don't know maybe it was always like this the male type or like the, the this is the dominant form of friendship between men and women like men men will consider their female friends the same way women will consider their male friends the same way the, there is no distinction between like the the female type friend friendship pattern and the like intersex or that, that might not be the right word but like the the the, the friendship between men and women there's no distinction between that Oh, female to female friendships. Th those, but hold on, because that's a that's now. like a, a, a an extreme divorce of like Bronze Age pervert ideology, right? Because he's talking about the need for male only spaces, and that even male to male relationships are screwed up if they are in the presence of a female, because she ruins the dynamic. And that we need to bring back male only spaces so that men don't lose their minds and do stupid stuff and can actually be great again. So I feel well, like that there, there's like some present, tension present there. Present day men are like too, too, too quote unquote gay or like too, too, what we would call like sissies, right? Mm. Yeah. No, no, I think like it, it's it's in accordance with 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 Bronze Age pervert thought. It's mm, so where where it yeah. doesn't matter if there are women or men, like where gender doesn't matter is is where like society is too sissified in the end, and like only uh, only male spaces only really matter if you've got super masculine men. Is that it? Or like dominant style men. Well, no, I think it's more of you should consider it more revolutionarily, right? If this is the way that like men are engaging in like mixed mixed sex social groups, then you know there there needs to be a revolution. There there needs to be the Bronze Age pervert revolution. You know that that that's what he would say about this. I mm -hmm. I, I would imagine. Well, not if they're engaging that way because their biology has changed. Yeah, not if they're engaging that way because they know they have no shot at all. Maybe men lose their mind in the presence of but, women. But that's just not, not true, right? They, they do have a shot at all. This, this is the other thing. Is, yeah. So there are, there are, there are studies. The, the headline of, of this study uh, and replication attempts of the study is something like 50% of men would like sleep with with a woman with a woman who just asked him on the street. Oh yes, right? as, yeah, as opposed famous... to around five percent of women. Right. But the other thing that. that they ask in that study is, like, would you go on a date with the person who who randomly asked you on the street? 
And for for single men, it is the, the first number was also for single men and women. The, the, the first number for single men was something like 70% or hmm. and number for women was 50%. And, you know, maybe, maybe this is not so surprising to you, right? Maybe this is, you know, just common sense for you. But for, I think every single Zoomer I've talked to about this, except for one guy who's into Evo Psych, who has seen specifically this study before, was just like utterly floored that like 50% of women would, 50% of single women would say yes. Well, but how attractive was the Confederate? I well, haven't well, seen this, this asking. <laughs> that, that, this is, that is like 100. If, if the Confederate is an eight or higher, yes. If the Confederate is an eight or below, no. Also, Simone, I think this study was done a while ago, and I don't think that this is true anymore. Mm. In fact, yeah. I would even go so far as to argue that men in today's environment, if a woman went up and asked them to have sex with them, I think that 50% of Zoomers would probably say no. To the woman. To the woman. Yeah. The, the prop, whoa. Wow. I think they're far more timid than you imagine. No. no. You disagree? No. Maybe. So, so, like, the really cursed stat would be, like, if you see like an inversion between like willing to have sex and willing to go on a date, mm -hmm. that is, that would be interesting. But yeah, we, 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 we should see replications of the study. I love to see replications that, yeah. of the study. This would be very But with funny. Confederate zero to 10 ratings that it, none of this matters if you don't have that, just none of it matters because that, I think that's the really key thing that has changed which is that we've we've switched to relationship markets that are extremely visually based and that we've conditioned a huge volume of people to select sexual partners based on only physical appearance. And whereas in the past, it used to be like, oh, well, we're both in the model train club together or whatever. Or, I like your jokes or you're really smart. And, you know, the, people were able to compete in many different arenas, whereas now it's a swipe and it's an image. And I, I think that that, well, and also that, I feel like social media filters have also completely thrown off people's perception of, of attractiveness. And we've discussed this in other episodes where you might, you might think that someone is, is like a, a five, you know, out of 10, like attractiveness wise. But if you compare them to an actual gener general population, like in their nation, they'd be more like a six or a seven, but because of online perceptions of what beauty is, you know, there's this, there was like a sort of meme a little bit earlier, like maybe two weeks back of Margot Robbie, who, who stars in the Barbie, Barbie movie being a mid, like that she's middling, that, that Margot Robbie, the, the human actress selected to be Barbie is middling in attractiveness. So well, I just well, feel yeah, like she's not an anime cat girl. That's, that is her problem. Uh, yeah. You, it, um, yeah. And it's one, I, I think I it's really difficult. You disappoint me in that every day, Simone. <laughs> You're sorry. not an anime girl. <laughs> I'm so sorry, y'all. so sorry. <laughs> uh, I'll get cat ears, I promise, as soon as we can craft them on. <laughs> oh, this God. This is, you know, you two are honorary Zoomers. Thank you. Well, we saw, look, we were in New York yesterday walking around with our boys. And I, I was thinking about, I don't even know what the next generation of what kids are today. And it, they have to be something beyond Zoomers, but there was a furry kid walking around, just had a tail, you know, <laughs> we're like, you know, someone like we we're with another parent. Like, she's like, or like, oh, a, like, like a, a kid, like maybe seven years old or something. He's okay, just like full out wearing not, a furry yeah, tail. That's not a sexual thing, you know. That's no, well, I mean, it could be a proto-sexual thing, who knows, but whatever. I mean, many people just identify as furries. It's, you know, there's, there's, it's a complex world. Well, I mean, um, it's one of the problems that we have is when sexual communities become aesthetic communities. Hmm. So when I was young, I would identify with like goths, right? Like I hung out and dressed like a goth because people older than me who I thought were cool, I knew hung out and went to goth things. 
I wish we had more photo proof of this. But I think that we live in a world now where young people can see sexual communities like furries, for example, and begin to identify with those communities in the same way that in my generation, people identified with goths or punks or something like that. And I don't know if I think that's healthy. I don't think that's healthy. I think yeah, that's so, bad. So you can think of goths as an early version of shitposting, right? And <laughs> as we know, the long arc of history bends towards shitposting. Every, everything becomes shitposting. It becomes signaling part of, part of a community by kind of the, the radical refutation of everything else that exists. And... Yeah, what what one of the one of the things that I like to do every once in a while, I think it's like very healthy to do this is to, is to look at like an empirical result in the world and think, well, what what if what if this were just people want? What how would I change my thinking if, if like God came to me and told me like, oh, this is just what people want? And you know, we're we're talking about this divorce of kind of sex mm-hmm. like sex acts from you know, the actual identification and what people actually think of themselves mm-hmm. and what people actually, it's the, it's like the divorce of like sexuality as a meme from sexuality as like a physical interaction. Mm, I think that's a great way of putting it. Yeah. And, that it, know, it's I just, conceptual. I just, like, wonder, what if this is just what people want? You know, what if this is just a revealed preference? Like mm. we just didn't have the technology. We didn't have the internet, you know. We didn't have we, the cat girls. We, we didn't have, exactly, exactly. We didn't I, actually, I, I think we had like, anime cat girls in the nineties, right? There, there were like Sailor Moon gags with the cat ears. But like, yeah, yeah, we, most of America, you know, were not exposed to the cat girls. And now that they have been, they simply like the cat There's girls no more. There's no going back. Yeah, we're just, there, there will so, be no more well, sex. There will only be the cat girls. <laughs> Before we wrap up this episode, I'd love, were there any other insights you got from these people you were interviewing? Because I really appreciate that you went on and did that. And I know our audience, you know, a lot of them have very little connection to what's going on in Zoomer world right now. What's going on? I think, yeah, guys are approach are afraid to approach girls. They're afraid to be affectionate. They're just too neurotic, you know. This isn't this is unrelated to this stuff. But I was at a, I was at a University of Austin. I was at you know Barry Weiss's university. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, we work with them. Yeah. Our, our school's partnered with theirs. Okay, awesome, awesome. So this, so this is a group of people. This is a group of around like forty kids, specifically selected to be you know the fear in the fearless pursuit of truth. I, I shouldn't I shouldn't say this. I I'm like skeptical of that. You know, the, I, I do think I, I talked to one of the, the the people who did the admissions. I think it's pretty legit. So, so I, I think this is, might actually be, you know, to, to the topic of taking th- these things seriously. You know, these might actually be like the 40 students in the, the U.S. or, or who, among the application pool who was uh, who, who were most in the fearless pursuit of truth. But, you know, they were just extremely agreeable. The, they, they were they were really afraid to set up you know very strong binaries of, of, of disagreements in the class and this was something that was noticed by a lot of the other the the older the older professors instructors so on that, that you just didn't get that kind of you know Lincoln Douglas style debate I, I don't mean like the format but that kind of like clash of ideals it just didn't happen people were people were just like very neurotic and I, I think that's you know that's the prevailing trait of Gen Z that's that's how it rolls. I think that's really interesting because when you look at traditional British education, like I'm, I'm thinking about how a young British gentleman was was educated, you know, he was pretty low on what we might consider technical knowledge. 
but what he did spend a huge portion of his upbringing doing is 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 debate elocution and also just like really getting good at even like spicy debate like when you even see yeah, recordings yeah, exactly, of parliament exactly. you know no they're spice. like Arr! yeah like they're there's, like there's you no know, spice we need to import more spice from india yeah. well by but the way this... we really we punish we punish people for deviating we punish people for arguing then they're called disagreeable they have you know they have emotional problems you know they're they're, they're picking fights so, so i think maybe what we've done is we've neutered an entire generation or several i think probably both millennials and Gen, Gen Zers from the ability to do that. Just years of conditioning where every single time they pushed back, they got slapped a little on the face. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, almost definitely. I, I do think, you know, like a lot of, I think even millennials will relate to, yeah. to people saying, you know, like teachers saying, if you don't have anything nice to say, say nothing at all. Yeah. You know, which, which is just, you know, so incredibly stupid. There's never um, been a reward for pushing back or being a little spicy. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or even just not active punishment. I think like male <laughs> male social norms will naturally naturally reward that. But oh, but know, I don't know if we've allowed for male social norms even. You know, yeah, those exa- have also exactly, been highly punished. Exactly. There, there is like constant unending interference in the educational system with inter-male communication patterns or even just well even just male dimorphic behavior like being energetic oh well we need to medicate that stop moving in your chair you know what i mean yeah yeah adhd like bap needs to add a new chapter about the adhd meds that that, that's you know they're already talking about like the seed oils the adhd meds that's much much bigger deal than the seed oils yeah Uh, this this uatx thing you went to was that in the last few months yeah, yeah, it was like the summer so thing. We were actually mm-hmm. supposed to run that, but Simone said we didn't have the bandwidth to do it. We could have been the particular too. That would have been. We would have made it spicier. More. People know yeah, more exactly, about our exactly. lives. Okay, wait. I, I have to hear this. How would you? What, oh, what so would Pano, be the, four the guy who runs you would run. We're partnered with them at the Collins Institute. We've been trying to do the younger kids stuff. They want to, so we were talking with them about this and we were supposed to do the, the recruitment and the, the setting this up. And there was some other guy and we just, we got to this point where we really wanted to do it, but we just did not have the time between trying. Basically what we said is we want to get rid of any distractions we have until the Collins Institute is live, which is our high school system. Because just if somebody can't fix the high school system, the country's doomed so there's a lot of cool opportunities like this that would have raised our personal prestige and would have allowed us to interact with a lot of young people that are like important like you. But then, you know, we're also already doing stuff with like Teal Follows and stuff like that. And it's, I feel like one of the weird things that I've noticed, especially with young people, is whatever program that we're engaged with, whether it's Future Forum or UATX or Teal Fellows or whatever, it's all the same people. Yeah, like, it's just a I circle. Yeah. I don't know. Are there only like 10,000 intellectually free young people in the world or something? I don't know. Not even intellectually free, desiring to be intellectually free. To your point, Brian, they weren't there necessarily. It is just the people who are on Twitter. Like (laughs) that, I think, is the actual funnel, the the nexus of all of this. You know, if you're listening, Elon, you know, the the nexus of all of this is just is, is just kids who are on Twitter. You know, that, that's the reason why, you know, VC Twitter or like VC people and ML people 
and you know the classical liberals and you know the, the cat girls are all are all in the same place it's all just a circle because it's all just it's all just twitter yeah it's, it's interesting that you say that the world seems so small after a certain point right but it just is right this is also something that i realized after you know going to to dc and trying to set up something that like all of the people who are doing anything interesting not not like literally all of them but they're all people who i like organically encountered doing the podcast before that you know so so context for the Mm. audience like i I did not talk about i my like my day job was in machine learning engineering I, i did not want to talk about anything related to machine learning on the podcast i was just like sick of it um for for the longest time until i like stopped doing that as my main job and, and i interviewed like like you know john Asconis, james poulos sam hammond it was just like all of the people doing like the most interesting machine learning policy stuff in dc right now are i mean james is not in dc but uh, all the people doing the most interesting machine learning stuff in dc or in like adjacent circles were were people who were on the podcast for unrelated reasons hmm. no it- I mean, you're right. That's just what we've noticed as well. The world's smaller than people think it is. And, and you know, sometimes I look at our listener numbers and I'm like, wow, they look like really small. And then I'll talk to some, you know, I don't know, random, whatever, like VC or billionaire I didn't know. And they're like, oh, I watch every episode of your show. And I'm like, that's weird. Because only like 4,000 people watch our show. Uh, but I, I assume it's the same with you, right? Like it's it's it's, it's weird and sad. Actually, this brings us to something that Simone was doing where she was going to YouTube and she goes, okay, how do we get big? What do the big channels look like? And so she went to look at all of the biggest channels and, and what was it that you channel. said about them? That it looked like it was primarily targeting lobotomized audiences. I mean, not really. No, it was, it was primarily targeting people who were, as I said to Malcolm, so low on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. They just don't really have bandwidth for anything that's not, that's not more engaging than a Three Stooges skit, just modern edition and in culturally relevant contexts, if that makes sense. So, right, so, it, so I was talking to someone who had a lot of experience writing newsletter headlines. Hmm. And he was like, exactly this. The, o- the overlap between the people who... who I don't know. The, the, there are like common... The, there are like examples of this. So I don't want to be like too absolutist about this. But the overlap between what you would do to get a mass audience and what you would do to get, you know, like a, a successful, like policy-wise successful audience is very, very close to zero. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The the, the exception might be like, I don't know, Tucker Carlson. And, and he is like highly online now, right? Like he, he's on Twitter now. The, the place, you know, the place where it all, it, it all goes. Yeah. He, he might've been the last one. He might have been the last intersection between normie popularity and actual and actual interesting things going on. Yeah, yeah. it's hard to say, but outlook not good. I'm very scared. But this was so fun. No, we we as as we all I think discover more as AI also gets better, especially we need to touch base on this topic again and see where we've gone further because I feel like relationships and interpersonal dynamics are going to go further off the rails the more advanced AI gets. So let's come yeah, back to I this. Mean, I, I think it's just reveal preferences. You know, this is something that I said, you know, you should start doing as a kind of like healthy thought experiment. But once you start doing it as a healthy thought experiment, I think 
your your world model becomes increasingly tilted in that direction. <laughs> and and I think that's just been like just in the past few in the past few years even just proven to be more correct. Like you should assume that people want the things that they take for themselves. I I don't know if that is like controversial, but 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 people don't do it enough. That checks out. That checks out. We've loved chatting with you. Have a spectacular day. And listeners, please check out his podcast. Yeah, that is the From the New World podcast. And you can find it at fromthenew.world. Yes, that, that is where everything lives now. Highly recommended. 